It's Coffee with Christy. And Tim. So you started teaching in 1979. Correct, the fall of 1979, August 1979. Was, was I born yet? I was. Were you born yet? Was, Don't even ask I that question. I was very small and, and, and tiny. Okay. <laughs> 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 you were more than a glimmer in your parents' eye because you'd already... I was here, Okay, that's but reassuring. not by much. Yes. So yes, um, school district of Clinton in Missouri, a town of about, what, 9,000 folks, I guess, were in Clinton? So we're talking about past versus present. Yes. Tell me one major thing that was different in 19, what did you say, 79, well, as opposed to 1999. Let's go with Because that's when I started teaching. 1999 is when you started teaching. So I've been teaching 20 years during your first year of teaching. <laughs> yes. But by that, I won't even discuss. We talked about the smoking signs. Well, obviously. That's what, hugely different. Well, people, yes. Luckily, I, I, I was never a smoker myself, but people did smoke. T faculty did smoke in the faculty lounge in 1979, though no one ever smoked in their classroom, I don't believe. But they did smoke in the faculty lounge. But obviously, one huge difference is we had no computers. Were they even invented then? Well, there would have been computers, but, but not, not in, in the, the educational classroom. Obviously, yes, I won't even go into the history of the ENIAC and various other computer systems that might some people might want to talk about. But, yeah, computers had been invented by then, Christy. Uh, but they were not, like, for use in everyday classroom. They the had classroom. the giant one in the one room in the school. There's probably some sort of administrative <laughs> computer that they were using somewhere. We were still using, obviously, the purple mimeograph machines, yeah. which is one of my all-time favorite items as, as a um, – Showing films on 16-millimeter projectors and, of course, the infamous film strip. Now, oh. sh please tell me that you at least remember film strips from being a student. Yes, from being a student. Yes. Every, like, snow days, I'll never forget, they'd, they'd usher us all into the gym, mm. and we'd do the film strip of Mickey Mouse or whatever it happened to be <laughs> that day sitting in the gym, all of us, you know, when we couldn't go out to recess with the film strip. Um, I do remember it as a student. But as a teacher, it was always the, you know, the excitement of rolling in the TV cart. Yes. That there were only like two, mm -hmm. two or three TVs on a cart to like a grade level and or sometimes even a school, depending on how big the school was. Mm -hmm. And having to roll it in and just the, the, the joy and the, the excitement in the children's <laughs> eyes when they could hear so did you, and see the TV cart coming. Did you ever show a 16-millimeter film in no, class? No, so, never. So, wow. So, no, obviously. I don't think anybody was doing that. We were TVs on carts well, so and Bill Nye, by the science guy, probably Schoolhouse Well, by 1999, obviously, I wasn't showing 16-millimeter films in class either. But, yeah. yes, that was obviously a biggie. And, and you learned how to um, splice the film and retape it because it would break, but you only had one recording of, you know, one copy of that film. So even if it broke in the projector, you had to fix it and put it back in. Actually, when I... Before I graduated from college in my teacher education program, somewhere in the fall of 78 or maybe as earlier than that, I had an audiovisual course where you learn how to run all the mm -hmm. audiovisual equipment you're going to use in your classroom, your mm -hmm. film strip projector, your film projectors, and various things of that nature. So obviously, the world of technology is exceptionally different. Um, what about curriculum? Did anybody really care what you were teaching or check on you? Like, you know, now everyone has data team meetings oh, and everyone's no. like scope and sequence and every, you know, all the teachers are following the same we scripted. No, we had curriculum planning sessions, obviously, 
So you knew the curriculum that you were teaching, but did we have the same amount of meetings like, let's make sure this articulates well with what they're doing in eighth grade versus what's coming up in 11th? No, those conversations didn't happen. At least I wasn't part of them when I first began teaching. And while you had conversations about individual students, they weren't nearly as data-driven as they are today. You didn't have the same amount of information, Mm -hmm. obviously, that you have today. The amount of information that you have available in terms of this student's learning needs and his learning style and all this data about standardized test scores, we we didn't take nearly as many standardized tests then. Right. No, we didn't. I mean, good grief. And they certainly didn't take state-mandated standardized tests. We were doing the Iowa test of basic skills and the ASVAB. I hope these acronyms mean something to someone besides me. And um, whatever the case may be. And Mm -hmm. people took the ACT and the SAT, obviously, and that kind of thing. But we didn't have nearly that same kind of process. That all changed over the course of my nearly 30 years of teaching in the classroom. But really, like, I remember when I first started teaching, the first couple of years, it might have even been my first year, I was doing, like, units on Johnny Appleseed, and no one cared. (laughs) I just did what, you know, it it could have went with the curriculum. It could have not went with the curriculum. You know, it was Johnny Appleseed, a whole month of it, and no one was checking, you know, but we were just teaching. We had more ownership, I think. And, I, I mean, I thought we were doing a great job, but now... Just think, today's teacher, they're not doing units on Johnny Appleseed. And if they are, every piece of the unit has to align to a standard. Oh, my gosh, yes. And they have to be able to prove that with their assessments. Yeah, the the whole conversation around standards and aligning to standards and making sure your assessments are aligned to those standards, that was nothing I Mm -hmm. dealt with at the beginning. And and then the interesting thing is, too, I obviously taught in both – I taught social studies. Most of my teaching career was in, in the world of social studies, which was world history and geography. And then obviously I taught in the world of speech and debate. And they didn't experience standardized testing in the same way that someone who's teaching mathematics does or someone who teaches science does or someone who's teaching English language mm-hmm. arts does. I, and so that was obviously very different for me too than people who have to deal with standardized tests and data yeah. in that kind of way. Family dynamic is much different too. Even from when I was a kid, you know, the teacher was always right all ways the teacher could be as wrong as wrong can be but they were still right it made no difference what i said when i came home from school or when i was you know when i first started teaching 20 whatever years ago how many years years is that now 1999 was your first year yeah. so that's 20 years ago wow versus no, oh so i hadn't actually thought about that but the fall of 1979 would have been 40 years ago last 40 fall. years that's amazing to me. It is amazing. That's amazing to me. You don't look a day me. over 37. That is the right answer, Christy Hool. Thank that you. is the right answer. I yeah. thought you were about to say that you don't look yeah. a day over like 37 years ago. That was your first year of teaching. So that's even even better answer. But yes, 40 years ago. My golly, Miss Molly, that's amazing to me. But the, the family dynamic was different. But I wonder how much of that also, because you can always only frame it in, in where you were teaching at the time. True. Because I began teaching in obviously small town America. Clinton was 9,000. And then I moved to Nevada, Missouri, which was basically the same amount of size town. Um, And I taught there from 79 until 93. And so then I moved to suburbia in the St. Louis region. And then I became much more aware of suburban education and urban education. So I don't know what the difference might have been, but certainly there was a significant amount of family support and family involvement. And I, I don't know how much of that was because it was small town life mm-hmm. where the school district is so much more the center of the world of the community yes. than obviously it is in suburban and rural environments. And how much of it was based on the nature of the time frame, too. But attendance at, at 
conferences and parent-teacher conferences and all that stuff. It was like the big deal. Everybody. It was like the big event. You saw everybody. Everybody. Everybody, got, everybody came in and, yes. and uh, wanted to come in. And was and if they didn't or weren't able to make that night, then they were, they were going to come in at some other point in time to mm-hmm. meet you and that kind of thing. And that obviously changed over time for sure. And I'm not sure to the better. I mean, one of the things I think I kind of noticed over the course of my career is that somehow there, I felt there were times where educators felt we know what's we know what's best and and we weren't like communicating as well or as effectively as we really needed mm-hmm. to to keep parents in the loop and that kind of thing yeah. and, I, and I like to I think the I hope that we're getting back to more and more of that with the the advances in technology which enables you to do it whether you have a website or you use you know Google folders and you use Google Classroom and teachers and parents can look at the grade book online and all the stuff well, that yeah, can happen that's a now good way to look in at ways it. that that couldn't happen at the time and it's good because it's good I think, or bad I don't know if it's I don't know if it's bad. good or bad but I think I think there was kind of a man behind the curtain kind of thing in education that doesn't exist anymore. We've drawn the curtain back, which I think could be very, very helpful if you're obviously aware of that and using it to to you and your students' advantage and your parents' advantage. I think that would be good. But there was kind of that, I guess it's changed in all of society. It was also the way you thought about doctors. You know, you didn't ask the doctor certain things. You just assumed the doctor was always right and that kind of stuff. And I think we're, we're in a place now where with the advan- advent of technology that we have a greater sense of ourselves of what we should understand about those things. So we don't necessarily just automatically mm-hmm. accept because the doctor said it, it's true or because the classroom teacher said it, but it's true. But you know, you're right because I'm sitting here thinking that when I was in you know kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, and especially more my brother, he was kind of the troublemaker in school. Not me. I was mm-hmm. a fairly good student. But when, <laughs> when my parents wanted to, if I came home or my brother came home and said, this happened in school, they would just drag us right back up to the school. Because, you know, we just lived around the corner. And they would just march us right back up to the school and have a conversation with the teacher, and that was the end of it. But there bet. was no email. There wasn't a texting and all those things. Um, that was just they. That was just how it went. That's correct. Like I said, it was mostly my brother. Um, he was the, the cause of most of the after-school visits. Um, and I think that the teacher, too, the, a lot of the difference today than what it was then was uh, they were sort of handling the discipline but in a different way. Do you know what I mean? Like – I mean, we had corporal punishment in our school. And, sure. of course, I'm going to tell you right now, my brother did get paddled, oh, not shocking. me. Of many, course many you didn't times. get paddled. I'm sure you didn't get paddled. Of course not, Ms. Hewell. Of I really not. didn't. But he did. And it was just like, okay. No, that's sort of corporal punishment the, certainly existed when I, when I went to school. And corporal punishment still existed when I began to teach school. Mm-hmm. But that obviously went away right. fairly soon. Could you imagine now the first 10 to 15 years if a child career. went home and said they'd been paddled by their principal? Well, yes, That'd many things. You bet, many things have changed in that regard. <laughs> yes, Sometimes for sure. I wonder. <laughs> but that's a whole other conversation that, that we could have about appropriate discipline strategies and what works and what doesn't yes. work. But yeah, all of that was very, very different. And I think there was a lot more sense. I th- maybe I'm misreading it, but I think there's a great. I think there's less. I feel anyway that there's less of the teacher's own flexibility and personality and 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 learning style and teaching mm-hmm. style that's possible for a teacher to invest in their classroom in some ways now than there used to be because of the nature of how, how schedules are being dictated and times being dictated and contents being dictated in terms of what must be taught when and, and those kinds of things. Yeah. And I know there's got to be a huge difference between the elementary world and the, and the, and the secondary mm-hmm. world. Because I was aware, obviously, of what elementary teachers were doing. But as a secondary teacher of, 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 of to a large extent, an elective subject, good grief. 
Did I have much more freedom probably than a person who's teaching third grade and by golly, the kid has to know his multiplication tables right. before he leaves third grade? Yes. Of course. Flashcards, so, flashcards, flashcards. That's, that's a big thing that people always need to remember yeah. is that I did not have to teach that in that in the same mm -hmm. way because sure kids I, kids when they left my classroom had better be able to speak well since I was teaching a speech class and they better be able to listen well and they'd be able to be organize themselves uh, and that would be a very beneficial trait for them to have and characteristic for them to take on but did I have to have the multiplication tables memorized by the end of third grade no there is a pressure involved in that that's a big pressure that just I doesn't probably lost sleep over that because I taught second grade and third grade and it was frightening. And our kids reading at grade level. Right. And obviously I did it. Pressure. I dealt with kids who weren't reading at grade level and I modified for them. And I had kids who were reading above grade level, but I didn't have to worry about making sure I got the kids to the grade level. Right. Um, and yes, I needed to cover the entire history of the world in my year of world history teaching, mm -hmm. make sure we went from the beginning of time to wherever we were in that year. But um, it wasn't like you had to worry about every aspect of that content. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you're going to teach major things. But yeah, there's a big difference in that regard. A big difference in a lot of things, Tim. The times, they are changing. I won't sing. <laughs>